0: My beloved in Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Sunday, the Matins, began with the Matins Gospel about Peter, and it addressed Peter's denial of Christ, not once, twice, but three times. And so Jesus, in the Gospel today at Matins, would ask Peter, do you love me? Three times, three times, Peter says, you know that I love you. This was Christ's way of forgiving Peter. And this theme of forgiveness is the theme of this Sunday, often a a theme that can make us most uncomfortable. What began this gospel just before we heard it, the verses right before, a question was proposed to Jesus. How many times must I forgive my neighbor? Seven times. No, Jesus says, 70 times seven times, an infinite amount. And then we hear the gospel. He gives a story to put it into perspective, to get it through our thickened heads about how much this one servant owed and how it was all forgiven. But once he had received forgiveness, he could not forgive somebody else who owed him a mere fraction. When we look through the course of the Old Testament readings, particularly when when we really get started with, with Moses and God at Mount Sinai, we see the kind of the theme, the motif of the temple life, of worship of God. And it centered around offering sacrifices for forgiveness for the sins of the people. There were burnt offerings morning and evening for the sins of the people. But then once a year on the Sabbath, the Sabbaths, there would be the Day of Atonement. And there would be a great ritual that God gave Moses that was to be performed from the line of Aaron through on. And so the high priest, when that day came which bathe and put on these special garments and before he could do anything for the people of Israel he had to have his own sins dealt with so he had to take a bull and sacrifices and take the blood of the bull and go into the holy of holies and sprinkle it over the mercy seat above the ark of the covenant and then in front of the covenant with his finger with the blood And only after He took care of His own sins could He now deal with the sins of the people. So this elaborate service would continue with two goats, and they would draw lots between the two goats of which one would be sacrificed and which one would become the scapegoat. The lot was drawn and the one that was to be sacrificed would be cut. The blood, which was life, would be taken in and sprinkled again on the mercy seat above the tabernacle and then in front of it with his fingers for the sins of the people of Israel. Then he would come back and he would take the scapegoat and he would put his hands on the head of the goat and pronounce all the sins of Israel. And then it would be identified with a crimson ribbon or wool around its neck and driven out into the wilderness. And then when that was done, he had to offer another sacrifice, a bull, for the people. And then and only then was the atonement done. And he could bathe and return to his normal clothing. But this would only suffice, it wouldn't change the heart of man. It was a means of preparing the people about forgiveness. And about this relationship with God, that there was such a gulf between us, a gap that has to be dealt with. And that gap is our sinfulness. And so we would tell us through Ezekiel that one day I'm going to take your hearts of stone and I'm going to remove them and give you a new heart. And that day would come in the Incarnation. And throughout all of Jesus' teachings, it was about forgiveness. Your sins are forgiven. Woman in adultery, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Over and over and over and over and over again, He's forgiving the sins of people. The healing is just a, a thing to show that He's God and has the power to forgive sins. But it's the forgiveness of sins. This has what has to take place to bridge the gap. Because He created us with commun- for communion with Him. And we can't have communion with Him if we've got this gap filled with our own sinfulness that separates us, that mars our relationship, not just with us, but with one another. Even when somebody denied Him blatantly, He forgave them. Then He says, Now you are prepared and I give you a church where I am the perfect priest. I don't need to offer a bull for my own sins. I am sinless. I will shed my own blood. I will be the scapegoat. I will be sacrificed outside the gates, out in the wilderness. I will do all that for you. You have chosen not to serve God, not to love God, to be your own God. And that created an incredible gulf between us. And now I have healed it. But if you want to maintain it, you must forgive your neighbor from your heart. As we heard at the end of our gospel... My father will treat you in exactly the same way unless you forgive your neighbor from your heart, from your heart, meaning you have, can't you have to let it all go. "Not from your head," he said, "From your heart, from the very core of your being must be forgiveness. And this is where we all get uncomfortable. Because it demands something of us. It requires us to put our pride away. It requires us to be humble. Something we don't like to do. But if we want that communion, if we want that theosis that we're striving for, if we want that life in the heavenly kingdom, this is what's required. So important is the theme that it was even given to us when Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those. If I don't forgive, I'm not forgiven. So the church, Jesus through the church, gave us all these means for forgiveness. Sacrament of Confession. Receiving the holy mysteries, the servant God receives for the remission of sins and life everlasting, we receive them, the anointing of the sick, even asking God for forgiveness. But Jesus went to the extreme to teach us about forgiveness, even to the point of Him dying on the cross, and so He gave that extreme to us in the church when we die. Before you die, God willing, a priest can come and give you the final anointing, the Eucharist for the last time, and the final blessing, the final absolution. But she goes even farther in our church. She goes to the nth degree for you, for me. If you remember with Teresa, and I was reminded of this Friday with... uh, with um, Monsignor George's funeral, right before we close the casket, there's one final prayer that the priest prays, or the bishop, over the body. And this is why you want the body here in a Byzantine church. Because he gives one final prayer of absolution. One final chance of forgiveness for you. That's how much you're worth to God. He did not create you to be out on your own and spend eternity away from him. We were created to be with him. But to be with him requires our part, our response. The blood, sweat and tears of the Christian life It's one thing to be in the comfort of our home, reading our prayers, because it doesn't require anything of us. But if we've got something in our heart that we have not addressed with one another, or somebody we don't even know, we just know them from the television, from the news, and we're harboring anger against them, by golly, you better forgive that person, because you're setting up your own judgment against yourself. It's not an easy thing. And because I'm preaching, I'm going to be held even more accountable, which terrifies me even, even more to even mention it. But I cannot not do it. Jesus is willing to forgive, 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 forgive a million times, a million times, a million times. And we will sin again, and He's willing to forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive. But we have to be careful that the great gift that we have been given, the heavenly kingdom, which is our inheritance, won't be kept from us because we failed to show love to our neighbor, we failed to forgive our neighbor. To be a Christian is to go against the grain of society. We're going to butt heads with everyone we come along because they're all about anger and holding a grudge and not forgiving. We have to turn the other cheek. We have to walk the extra mile. We're to give away our second cloak if somebody wants it. Maybe some might even be required to give away their life. But we're all required to forgive. And to forgive from our heart. Think of the glory and the gift that God has prepared for us. Is the cost too great for us not to forgive and enter that? Or are we going to allow ourselves to continue to be bound and not experience that great gift? I have forgiven you yours, and forgive the debt of your neighbor. Let us strive in these coming weeks, even today, as you go home and you read the news, if you do that, or you hear things from others, and all of a sudden you find yourself getting angered at somebody, forgive them. Pray for them. Use that energy for good. Because if you forgive somebody, your Heavenly Father is forgiving you. This is what Christ has called us to do. He's called us To be a cut above the rest and a model, an example to others, even if we're squashed in doing it. Even if we have to lay ourselves down as a libation for others. If my forgiving somebody causes my harm, so be it. Because the heavenly kingdom is more important to me than my pride. It's more important to me than my good name. It's more important to me than my health or my life. God has done this for each and every one of us. On the cross, He said, Forgive them, Father. He has forgiven you. And every confession you've received, that you've received absolution, every time you've received the Holy Mysteries and been given the remission of the sins, it's from the power of the cross. He canceled the debt against us, and nailed it to the cross, and destroyed the power of death we sang last night in Vespers, so that we could have life. It only requires us, only, to forgive our neighbor from our heart. Blessed is our God, always, now, and ever, and forever.